0: For weeks, speculation has run rampant that Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley may be traded to another team. That didn't happen today. Instead of the wide receiver getting traded, we find out that the star wide receiver has been suspended for at least a full season after gambling on games in 2021. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80 were presented by Progressive Insurance. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, and the NFL released a statement Monday announcing his suspension, saying he gambled on games over a five-day stretch in November 2021 when he was on the non-football injury list to address his mental health. It should be noted, according to Adam Schefter, it, it looks like the team, or the league, I should say, determined he uh, placed multi-legged parlay bets, including three, five, and eight games that included the Falcons' to win via his mobile device out of state. Now what we know, Sarah, is that he cannot even apply for reinstatement until a year from now, essentially. It'll be mid-February of next year that he can apply to come back. It is at least a one-year suspension, and we have an answer to the trivia question, when can a $1,500 bet cost you $11 million? Mm -hmm. Because that's what he stands to lose in this situation.
1: Not great odds. Uh, You know, there's been a lot of reaction to this, Fitz, and I think – one of the interesting things is that allegedly, according to some reporting I've seen, the NFL uh, wanted to keep in check this very problem by having their partners in the gambling industry flag any suspicious activity from NFL employees, player, staff, coaches, etc. That's how they found out about this. So this is something that they were keeping an eye on. And first of all, this is day one stuff, It's There are many angles of this story to get into, but the very clear and most obvious, and that to me, I have been shocked how many people seem not to understand this, is that you cannot possibly engage in massive partnerships with gambling entities If there is any hint whatsoever that what people are gambling on is not being done fairly and with integrity and having players or coaches or staff members or anyone that has any effect on the game or might have insider information gambling on it will entirely throw off your ability to continue those deals. And so while you can argue that the NFL shouldn't have any moral high ground on anything It is extremely simple to understand that players know that they can't gamble on the sport they play and that the league is going to come down hard on you if you do.
0: Well, and that that leads us to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. For everyone that talks about the gambling partnerships that exist and why that's a reason why this doesn't matter, it's the exact opposite. Once you go into business with a bunch of gambling entities, you've got to make sure that you're above board on everything. And, you know, as somebody that grew up in Vegas – a lot of people may not realize this, but for generations, you weren't allowed to place bets in Las Vegas on any Las Vegas-based team. So until 2001, you couldn't even bet on UNLV sports in the city of Las Vegas. They were so worried about the possibility of impropriety with college kids and gambling and how it could impact that. So it, it has taken a long time to get to the, the point where Las Vegas is seen differently uh, when it comes to partnerships with professional sports. So now that there's a franchise in Vegas, and now that they do have partnerships with MGM and Caesars and DraftKings and all of those other companies, now it's more important than ever that you do come down in these situations with the thunder of the gods, because at some point that's the only way you can viably stay in business with these people that are now helping the league make tons of money.
1: Yeah, and Fitz, again... There are so many other uh, angles on this that I understand people's interest in the story and and, and the tentacles, but that part is very clear. And so I've been surprised, actually, by some people who seem to be conflating those two. Ryan Clark, for instance, uh, said, the NFL and its leadership are full of bleep. You can be full of debauchery, discrimination, sexism, harassment, and evil, but as long as you sign the checks, you can investigate your dang self. Then choose rather or not to reveal the findings. But 15 bet $1,500, though. You know what? And and that's what he tweeted out. I get the point. We should be investigating Daniel Snyder. We should be investigating uh, Stephen Ross. There there are so many other bad things going on in the NFL that they do a great job of covering up, only to unearth this almost instantly, right? But those are comparing apples and oranges. We know that the NFL cares the most about the bottom line, and that's why... If you do something like this that messes with their billion-dollar partnerships, you're going to get a full season. But if you are a domestic violence abuser, uh, uh, an alleged rapist, uh, someone who's committed child abuse, they're going to find a way to keep you on the field. You're not affecting their bottom line unless fans decide to actually make them pay via sponsorships and otherwise when players engage in those behaviors. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying I'm surprised that anyone doesn't get that yet.
0: And again, I think we'll both clearly say, look, there are strange things in the punishment of the NFL. We all stand beside that or behind that that statement. But I, I have to look at it and go back to sort of what whataboutism in general. Like I, I as a, an adult, have become really stunned by how often in society in general you can look at somebody in your life and say, hey can you put your shoes away? And they'll turn around and say, well, you never do the dishes. Like it it doesn't work (laughs) that way. Like they are very separate conversations to be had at very separate times. So in my mind, there are completely separate conversations about whether or not punishment fits the crime for so many actions that we talk about all the time on this show. And we know that those punishments don't fit the crime, but the answer is not to lessen the punishment here for something that is so terrible for the league. The answer is to handle those other things more aggressively. So, To come in and sort of apologize for what Calvin Ridley did or the punishment that he's getting for what he's done because of the lack of punishment on other issues doesn't make sense to me. It's two very separate conversations. The minute a player bets on the sport that they play there's going to be hell to pay we all know that the player has to know that and as i say to you all the time and this could be a shot drink with this show it's collectively bargained, right Right. so everybody understands this you know it you agree to it your union agreed to it now you're held accountable to those standards and if you don't like it then fight it through your union Fight it through proper channels, but, but to go out and then turn around and say that this is unfair that he's being treated this way makes zero sense to me. He, they, they have to come down with the thunder of the gods here. The answer is not to punish less for this. It's to punish more for other infractions.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain and Jason Fitz, and that doesn't mean that we don't have empathy for Calvin Ridley. This is a guy that missed a big chunk of time in his NFL career for mental health issues, and we do not know where he sits on that issue now. We don't know if this is related in any way. We're just saying we are not surprised that the NFL's response to something that could very dearly affect their engagements with massive business partners and their ability to continue to profit off of all of the money in the gambling sphere. We don't. We aren't surprised by that. Then a separate conversation can be whether or not Ridley will be able to successfully bargain down the punishment or how this might affect his future. As of now, Adam Schefter was on NFL Live today and talked about how this alleged, according to Calvin Ridley, bet might affect him.
2: He now will be out of football in 2022. He will not collect
3: his $11.1 million base salary. He will be eligible, if he's reinstated, to collect it in 2023. Then he would become a free agent if he's reinstated in 2024. So everything got pushed back.
1: So it's sort of on hold right now. But a lot of people, Fitz, are already talking about whether he will be out of the league for longer or if a team won't want him around because of this. I think it's very premature. I think that's prisoner of the moment talk as of right now because there are so many people that are currently arguing that you know, this is hip- hypocrisy and, and the NFL should have seen this coming and there's so many questions around the new deals that it's hard to know. I don't really agree with that. I think we've known for a very long time that as a player you can't gamble on the sport you play, period, regardless of the deals that have changed. But there might be enough empathy and sympathy in the situation and enough of a punishment off the top that eventually he comes back and a team is happy to have him.
0: As you just quickly said there, the NFL should have seen this coming. They did see the possibility coming, which is why they put these systems in place, why this punishment is in place, and why this is happening. Because from the get-go, the NFL looked at it and said, if we are going to do this in our business, then we are going to have to put these systems in place to protect the game all that's happening now is what was anticipated is actually being followed through for once i don't have a problem with the nfl so that's some straight talk straight talk wireless no contract no compromise we'll keep you updated on that plus we'll get some expertise from one of our favorite insiders later on what this all means but next up as we stand right now the nba play-in tournament might be more exciting than you think is it a good thing we'll tell you next spain and fits on espn radio and the espn app
1: I would say in sports in general we tend to fear change until we can get used to it and realize that we barely remember what things were like before. Well the play in tournament for the NBA was something that a lot of people pushed back on. We were just used to the way it always was. Thought it might be time for a little check in especially after I listened to a couple of our colleagues today talk about how this play in tournament would look this year. If the league ended right now, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80 ESPN radio is presented by progressive insurance and the play and turn it's back in the spotlight for a couple of reasons. One of them was a great podcast at ESPN Daily. Pablo Torre talking to a couple high-ups at different leagues about how to prioritize and reinvigorate fans around regular season competition, when especially here in America we are so invested in doing it in the postseason and winning titles. And that had... Evan Wash, who's the executive VP of basketball strategy and analytics, talking about the play-in tournament, his idea and how he brought it to fruition, and the original response that many had, including one of the biggest stars in the league. Fitz, tell me if you remember hearing this from LeBron James last year.
4: It doesn't matter at the end of the day if I'm not, uh, you know, 100 close to 100. It don't matter, you know, where we land, you know. So, uh, you know, that's my mindset. You know, if this happens to. Uh, we end up at sixth or fifth, or, or or whatever the case may be, or if we end up in the, you know, the playoff, uh, whatever that thing is, wh- whoever came up with that sh- uh, need to be fired.
1: Right. Uh, that's what he was talking about the play in tournament. Said I mean, that whoever thought of it needed to be fired.
0: It, it was, that was a strong statement at the time. But on the one hand, I want to like really trash LeBron, LeBron for that. But on the other hand, I can look back and say, man, I wasn't really a fan of the concept and spent most of last year when we got to the play-in tournament saying, we just got lucky, right? Like we got some brands people like. It's not going to sustain. Nobody's going to continue to like it. So my bad.
1: Right. Uh, Well, the guy he was talking about when he said that guy should be fired was the aforementioned Evan Wash, the executive VP of basketball strategy and analytics at the NBA. And on uh, Pablo's panel, he talked about what We've learned since LeBron said that and after last year's tourney.
2: I think we said going into last year, whatever team in each conference ended up seventh and eighth was going to feel unhappy because in the old system, they're in the playoffs and now they got to go play the tournament. So that's where the Lakers happened to end up the seventh seed, the seventh seed last year. Not a surprise that we heard from him. They clearly made the playoffs anyway. But I think after the fact, the the feedback was resoundingly positive, because I think everyone saw what the notion of tiers or lines in the standings can do for competition. Um, I've not gotten my thank you card from LeBron yet this year, uh, (laughs) as they pursue the ninth seed, which will give them an opportunity to get in the playoffs.
1: So, great line, first of all, and the, the rest of that conversation was really fascinating. I, I suggest people check it out. But Fitz, before we get to what this year's tournament could look like, let's just talk about that. I mean, it is interesting how I think a lot of people pushed back on it and got so used to what we had seen, and, and they didn't like the idea of certain teams having to, to work a little harder, but there is a, a competitive balance thing that they end up evening out, where if you are one of those lower teams, you do have to work harder if you beat the better seed to win, right? They, they, they make it so that there is a fairness level there, depending on who advances in the play-in tournament. But some people are still never going to agree with just allowing more teams in.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the hard part about it. But at the same time, I guess what I thought when I thought play-in tournament, it was always going to be a couple of teams that were just sorry and nobody really cares about the stars that are on those teams and <laughs> – you know, you're going to have a couple of teams people aren't paying attention to, and then we're going to have to sell wide. It's this big, sexy matchup. What, what I think I couldn't have predicted, or maybe I should have predicted, but, you know, last year what we had was a, a combination of, you know, the Lakers and then some rising star feeling in the, in the play-in. And this year it's almost like that script is flipping, right? So, like, you're still getting opportunities to see guys that are on the rise or guys that, that are, are household names that's a win for the league. I mean, anytime we're paying more attention to games, whether it's at the end of the regular season or, or, or going into the playoffs, that's a benefit. So I, I was so wrong about that.
1: Well, I'm going to put it on social media, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. Do you remember how you felt about the NBA Planet Tournament when it was announced last season? Did you hate it? Did you love it? Can you not remember? So we'll start there. And then I think to your point, what the concern always is, is that there are certain sports with too many teams that make it. Right in baseball, you play 162 games to figure out who's in. As we talk about potential playoff expansion, a lot of people argue, what's the point of all of those games if you can still end up having a bad run in the opening round against a crap team and go home? You know that 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 it's an honor to make the postseason in baseball, and if you expand to too many teams, that element of quality competition is lost. Now. That was a lot of the argument last year for why people didn't want the play-in tournament. I would be curious, not only after a year of getting used to it, but also after hearing this, if you would argue the same, that you are watering down competition by having a play-in tournament, after Jay Williams on KJM this morning talked about what you might see if it were to start postseason play today.
5: Think about the marketing collateral for the NBA if the play-in tournament were to start today. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, mm. Russell Westbrook, Zion Williamson, mm. and Trae Young, all in the playing tournament. This is what we would have right now. Yes, please. Oh, this is getting juicy down the stretch.
1: I mean, He's that's right, a whole new right? ball game. I mean (laughs)
0: that's why this is a win and and you know how many years in a row can I say it because I feel like last year I I went to air and said well look this isn't going to happen again so you got lucky one time what are we talking about and now they're absolutely right like if you're the NBA and you have to make a choice today between not having LeBron and not having the Nets in the playoffs or you can get them in the play in the play in and get all of this suspense around it we all know which way everybody wants to go on that like it's a massive win for the league to get this in the do or die situation that comes with play. And like, it feels like not only has it turned out that I was wrong about whether or not star power would be there, but I was wrong about the drama that it would add.
1: Yeah. I, I really think that there are such interesting decisions to be made across pro sports in terms of the prioritization of the postseason and the introduction of new elements. It's Spain and Fitz, by the way, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. And they talked about this on the ESPN Daily, right? You can't. expect people to appreciate and value new traditions right when you introduce them. But what you can do is hope that by introducing them, the current group of players are, are going to influence the ones that are next to come and the people watching at home. So for instance, that Mid-season tournament that the NBA is most likely going to be introducing soon that we see across other sports and we kind of shrug at and say, why would anyone care about that? Right. If you introduce it and players start winning it and young people start watching and for whatever reason they think there's value to, you know, Donovan Mitchell has five in-season tournament wins. Eventually it takes on some meaning. You have to just get through the beginning when people are going to push back pretty hard.
0: Yeah, you're so right about that portion of it. Like, in the beginning, resistance to all of it. And then what's funny is at some point, when the tables turn, it will be, well, they have to play better in that one thing that we didn't even want to be part (laughs) of the league at one point. Like, it becomes such a a wholesale shift in that. But realistically, I spent time last week talking about how devalued the regular season has become in the NBA. If these sorts of things can bring more attention to that very regular season, that's a win for basketball fans. That's a win for the league. That's a win for all of us that cover the league because you want to have great stories in the middle of the season that are Mm -hmm. worth telling.
1: Well, one of the things that they bandied about, and it was pretty funny at the end of the pod, they kind of just joke about hand, passing the bong around and what are the ideas that are a little wackadoo out of the box. And one of them was if you split the regular season into four quarters and you had to win or be highest ranked at the end of each of those four subsets, then you could ha- qualify for the postseason based on that. So if a team was really good at the beginning and then someone got hurt for the second quarter of the season, you could still qualify. It, it, it never it means no one's ever out. I mean, there's some really crazy ideas that would completely change the game but you know could allow fan bases to be invested all year long it's Spain and Fitz coming up we're going to continue to go around the NBA Monica McNutt is going to join us to talk about it plus a crazy story in the WNBA it's next
0: Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio the ESPN app Sirius XM channel 80 Sarah Spain Jason Fitz a little country music flair coming in the ACM awards tonight Becomes the first award show ever to not be affiliated with any television station. They are exclusively on Amazon Prime. So, shout out to all my buddies playing Allegiant Stadium tonight. It will be a wild show. Oh,
1: that's sad that you're not there for that.
0: Uh, You know what? Uh, I had uh, my my buddy, uh, I'm I'm just going to give Derek Wells a shout out. Uh, He runs the house band. He's part of the ACM board. Uh, but he runs a house band for it, and uh, I texted him today, and I said, "Look, next year I'm just going to sit in. I'm just going to come out and play yeah, in the house band." Yeah, if it's you at know?
1: your if it's at your Raiders Stadium, it's all your people. You yeah a dip, dip a toe back into that world L-
0: lost lost the opportunity to go out and uh, drink really uh, really cheap beer in vegas with a bunch of buddies so uh, next year next year uh one of the people i would always want to drink cheap beer with is monica mcnutt espn nba analyst you know what i'd even buy like an expensive drink for monica because wow. she's all kinds <laughs> oh, of badass she's worth she it. joins us she's now espn nba analyst like uh, let's be clear monica when i say expensive i mean like whatever's on the five dollar drink menu in vegas like we're it. not talking like i totally get it i get it okay good as long as we're on the same page uh Let's get some NBA insights. Uh, obviously the Nets lose their fourth in a row yesterday. Uh, like how concerned are you about the Nets
4: right now? Oh gosh, the Nets are like one of our favorite puzzles in the NBA. Um I am Okay, 1 to 10, I'm at like a 7. Um I was actually talking over the weekend um called a game with D'Orsberg and Ryan Rucco and our guy Ryan Rucco is obviously a part of that Nets organization. And they they're, the organization's similar to a lot of basketball fans, it's putting a lot of weight on this group being healthy, right? And getting some pro- productivity out of Ben Simmons. Rucos, like, they, they buy if they could get five games out of Simmons before the playoffs. They think they'll be able to gel, which I think is kind of crazy. Um, but it's hard to bet against KD for me. Like, I, I still just think KD is that guy – Um, I know we shouldn't hold on to last year too closely, but he was a toe away last year essentially by himself in terms of carrying that team and almost knocking off the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm probably at like a seven, um, but they're not a matchup you want to see if they do end up going through the play-in in in the actual playoff seating, right? Like you just don't want to see that firepower.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is the case with a number of teams this season. Let's talk about the Miami Heat because I don't think we do it enough. Uh, They just haven't had that one storyline that's caught the eye and the focus of the NBA world. But Victor Oladipo returning tonight, certainly getting some eyeballs, hasn't appeared in a game since April 8th of 2021, another recovery from a second surgery on his right quad. What does it mean for this already great Heat team to get him back?
4: So shout-out to Vic because he is also a DMV product out of Damascus. so shout-out to the hometown region. Um, But earlier this season, I actually had um, a chance to chop chop it up with Karan Butler when I had one of the Heat games. And he's like, we're just figuring it out. He's like, Vic has looked great um, in practice in terms of getting to this point. And he's like, people tend to forget how good he was. Now, granted, we don't know if he's going to return at the same level based on these injuries, but his game wasn't one that was predicated solely on explosiveness. So in the Heat system that has now taken Max Struess out of DePaul and turned him into a regular, Gabe Vincent turned into a regular, my guy, Omar, Year seven, who had to go, I'm pretty sure, to the G League and got a contract this summer after a great summer league route, like they've turned these guys that are essentially fringe NBA players into role players in this organization. And so when I think about Vic and think of his basketball IQ and what we saw at Indiana in college and even with the Pacers and what he picked up from Russ, before Russ took this deep dive and maybe not being so productive in OKC, I just think of a guy that will sink the game at a high level and be willing to hustle, right, which to me is the signature of this Miami Heat squad. When you dig into the numbers, um, Tyler Hero, sixth player of the year, but Duncan Robinson, um, Jimmy Butler, maybe not shooting the ball as prolific as we've seen, but look where they are. And so to me, I'm with you, Spain, we need to be talking about them being where they are despite some of these numbers that are a little bit puzzling.
0: We're talking to Monica McNutt, ESPN NBA analyst, and Monica, I feel like right now I'm spending every couple of days saying, what about Milwaukee? But, I mean, Middleton went off, right? And, you know, Ooh. we had a game where Giannis fouls out, and it doesn't even seem to trip up Milwaukee. When you see that, like, is there some portion of the Bucks that it just feels like they're conserving energy to you to wait for a playoff
4: run? Brooke Lopez got cleared for 5-on-5 five five contact on Friday, Right. So, yes, <laughs> I think that's, that's <laughs> the only answer to that question. And when you talk to those guys, first of all, the biggest personality is Giannis, who for as big as his personality may be, he probably arguably is just as humble in terms of his willingness to just work and put time in the gym. Then you got Holiday and Middleton, who just don't say nothing. They just go do what they got to do. And I, it was so funny watching the Bucks versus the Bulls the other night because so much has been made of DeMar DeRozan as his mid-range master, and rightfully so. But literally – I watched Chris Middleton do the same thing, essentially, through the third quarter, and then Drew Holiday took his turn and did almost very similar work in the fourth quarter. And so, to me, I don't know that we can understate their experience in terms of them having been there, and there is no moment bigger than what they've already accomplished.
1: You know, I agree with you that it takes two people to do what DeMar DeRozan does on his own. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, (laughs) Jason Fitz, we're talking to Monica McNutt here on ESPN Radio. Uh, Let's talk LeBron. I mean, before we even found out uh, per report just before the show started tonight that he would sit out against the Spurs because of, quote, significant soreness in his knee, people were already talking about the fact that this was probably going to happen. 56 points against the Warriors, and... It, it, they might need him to do the, things like that every game if they want to stay in the hunt. Can they expect to put him out there and not end up resulting with something like tonight, where he immediately has to sit?
4: Not, nah, man. Come on, man. Like I love LeBron, and he's debunked age in ways that the rest of us hope to achieve. But come on, man. Like no, LeBron at thirty-seven <laughs> while he's putting up amazing numbers is not LeBron at twenty-two. Like I, I bet you in terms of the amount of postseasons that he's been willing to play, not only do we need to calculate the years, we also got to think about the games that this man has played, right? So, no, you can't get 56 from LeBron every night. You can't rely on him. He will have bursts, let's just say, on our family of networks on ABC games. But, like, this team is, like, playing. Yeah, they're sort of dangerous, but also they're old. And I think their age is going to come, is going to be the – what's the saying, y'all? the rooster that crows home or something. Anyway, they're not going to escape their I age. Do not know that one.
0: I mean, I'm going to say, like, I lived in the <laughs> South for a long time, and I don't even know that one. So if, they're, if the their world? age is good, like, why not shut them down, Monica? Like, why not just shut them down and wait till next year?
4: I'm pretty sure that I said that last week on one of our programs on our family network. Like, if they – I think um, the question was, like, if they lost to the Warriors, maybe. Like, if if they – no, it was was Dallas because it was before the Warriors game. If they got embarrassed, I was like, LeBron should shut it down because what are you doing? You have already achieved everything in this game, and you have been vocal about the next thing that you want to achieve history-wise to be playing alongside your son. Assuming that your son is going to do his diligence to climb from the 43rd ranking in his class to actually be an NBA player, at this point, we're now talking about preservation – to achieve a part of history that not only will go in the record books potentially, but would mean the world to LeBron. So, like, the Lakers squad are not going anywhere. Like, I, I get it. People are like, he doesn't make a mess and just not take accountability for it, and that's cool. And maybe he didn't do that until he turned 37.
1: Yeah, Monica, really quick then. It, it might be in best interest for LeBron. Is it in the best interest for the Lakers? Or would they be able to get away with shutting him down and just saying, we're giving up?
4: Um. I, ugh, that that's where it gets tricky. I think that they could get away with it because this season is lost, and I'm, we're assuming that he's not going to leave. If you take him at face value that he wants to finish his career in L.A., then he's only trying to get better for y'all.
0: Monica, before we get you out of here, I want to make sure we get your thoughts on the Brittany Griner situation. Obviously, it's complicated, but I wanted to get your reaction.
4: Um, I've been praying and thinking of Brittany and her family um, since this whole thing has unfolded. And I think... Katie Barnes is someone that I respect and does a ton of work in this space. I've been stalking their timeline. Uh, Kate Fagan put out a a thread, I want to say two days ago, that was really thoughtful in terms of the context when Kate went over to Russia to cover that story. Um, I think it's great that we all can talk about it. And I've seen people put together petitions and such. But, like, this is an issue, and not to say this lightly because I know we all grasp that, but, like, this is so much bigger than sports. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm not one that's in in terms of or well read in terms of diplomatic issues and such. But I just hope that um, the U.S. and all the parties involved can get Brett home safely immediately because she's also been one that's been very candid about her mental health struggles. And I can only imagine the toll that this could be taking.
1: Yeah,
0: As okay. always, you are the best, my friend. You can follow her on Twitter at McNut Monica. Monica, have a great night. Remember, next time, five dollar drinks on me in Vegas
4: outstanding have a great show y'all
0: <laughs> appreciate it that's the monday roundup brought to you by autozone get in the zone autozone the disturbing story about britney griner and russia can go from bad to worse we'll explain why next spain and Fitz on espn radio and the espn app
1: oh boy all of fitz's friends singing their country songs I learned some new country songs at a karaoke bar in Arizona. A couple of my friends were singing some fun songs about never having to hang out with your future ex-mother-in-law. Mm. That was a good one. Okay. I learned a lot. learned a lot. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. While I was on vacation, one of the stories that kind of broke through my limited engagement on social media was the report, very scary report, coming out Several weeks after this uh, whole ordeal started, that Brittany Griner has been detained in Russia for several weeks. Custom officials said they found hashish oil in her luggage, uh, basically vape pens, at an airport near Moscow in February when she was headed out there to play. Now, a lot of people asked why she was going out there. Fitz, players in the WNBA have been playing in Russia in the off season for a long time, making a lot of money out there. When she was headed out there, and this all began, this was before uh, the Russian attacks on on the Ukraine had begun, and, and presumably a little bit less of a scary time to go out there. Now, if you've listened to the 30 for 30 that Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird uh, really got into detail about their very strange and, and 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 scary at times experiences playing out there, uh, there's always a risk, but it is very difficult, Fitz, to tell these players who can make Upwards of a couple million dollars in the off season, not to go play for these teams, and yeah. uh, this is one of those moments where those risks come really a uh, big picture. As uh, there are a couple elements here at play, in addition to the fact that they come down pretty hard on drug offenses, even if it is something that here wouldn't seem that serious, um, the hashish oil, the vapes, um, but uh, cannabis care's you know maximum penalty of ten years in prison. And Fitz, part of the reason we didn't hear about it for a while was they weren't sure if it would benefit her or make it much worse for this to become a public story and for her identity as a as a LGBTQ plus as a American sports player as as you know a public person if that could actually endanger her more.
0: One of the difficult parts of the, there are so many difficult layers to this uh, the fact that. Players do have to go earn a living uh, overseas is so complicated, and we've talked about that on the show before, right? But the other part of this is when you're traveling internationally, you just have to be 10 times more careful. And, you know, I, I can speak to uh, when we were touring, the number of times that we knew if we were going international, like there, there are certain things that if you were one of the guys that carried certain things that were legal in the States – You ripped through everything to make sure that you didn't have it. Even if you were going into Canada, you had to be very careful, right? So, you know, there's this moment of uh, unfortunate mistake that someone makes that, you know, you make an unfortunate mistake here and it has one consequence. You make an unfortunate mistake there, it has another, and then you layer on top of it the conflict that's going on. You've got war going on on top of all of Mm -hmm. this. Then it only complicates all of this at an even higher level. So. You know, the the unfortunate things, no matter who you are and what your background is and what you do for a living, my God, we need to get people home and get them safe. Right. You know, but when you add to the fact that to that fact that this is somebody that does have a platform and notoriety here, like uh, the 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 fame here, I should say that there is a there's a level of angst that causes all of us when we look at it. It just hits right. different.
1: Yeah, T.J. Quinn uh, was on SportsCenter talking about the situation and in speaking to experts like a former DOJ legal advisor to the U.S. Embassy in Moscow said that there's sort of two legal paths she's teetering between, which would be the, the Russian legal system and it'd be great if it just stayed there. A Russian attorney perhaps helping her limit her legal jeopardy. The other is the political one. And if she becomes made an example of as a six foot nine black gay American woman who represents something in a culture that Putin has a particular control over, that could be much scarier. In fact, that DOJ advisor, Tom Firestone, spoke to Outside the Lines about why this might be better if it was kept quiet.
3: I can see reasons why the family and she would not want to talk about it, which is they don't want to bring it to the they don't want to make this into a political case. Sometimes cases like this are better off handled on the sort of on in a low key approach just through the criminal justice system. I think the concern is that if it becomes too high profile if it becomes political then the russian government may dig into uh dig into their position it may make it difficult for her to get a good resolution of the case and she could become a pawn in a bigger political um in a bigger political battle as you mentioned previously so i think that trying to keep this quiet may well be in her best interest legally
1: so Fitz, there's the just high profile american uh, during a time when America is at odds with Russia over the decisions being made in Ukraine. There's also the other elements about her specifically. And T.J. Quinn was also on Outside the Lines talking about how her ethnicity and sexual orientation
2: have an effect as well. The potential is is significant. I mean, a number of people I've spoken to said that's what they're concerned about, is if Putin or someone in his government identifies her as somebody who can be a cultural symbol. Um, Putin's Russia, you know, he he doesn't speak for all Russians, but his vision is a a highly masculinized Russia with traditional male and female roles. So a six foot nine black gay American um, doesn't quite fit into that and add to it that it's a drug case. There are people who are concerned she could become a cautionary tale within Russia, look, if you go the way of the West, this is what will happen to your children. Uh, It's a very legitimate concern, and one more reason that, that I think people want to keep a low profile. So far, what I'm hearing from people in Russia is it has not gained national attention. There's been a little bit of attention from some sports media. Uh, But if anybody's talking about it beyond the sports realm, it's been to make fun of American commentators saying that we're the ones making this political, not them.
4: Hmm. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: My heart sinks a reminder of how different life is for so many people in different parts of the world. And to think that you've already gotten yourself uh, or you've been put in this situation either way. And then who you are as a human being is going to amplify right. the consequence of your actions is heavy, you know, and it's, it's difficult because it, it shows how complex all of this is where we have a mindset of, Hey, this shouldn't be a big deal when you're dealing with the different culture and you're dealing with a different ruler. Like it, it just, it makes everything so much more complicated. And, you know, I would say that, that at some point, the unfortunate thing in my mind is that I do feel like it should be a bigger conversation to, to the point that was just made. Like I, if this was a, a male basketball player that, uh, that was a, a star in the NBA at times, like, uh, would, how much would we be talking about it? It would be the lead on every news channel. So I feel like in my mind it should be a bigger deal. But then you hear that and it's like, God, it just reminds you that nothing is as simple or black and white as, hey, this is how it should be handled when you're dealing with right. foreign issues.
1: I also think it's a really ridiculous for anybody, and, and hopefully it's just morons on social media who are saying, well, that's why you don't make the mistake of doing this. Of course, of course, right? Listen, you, I remember growing up, and this might have been more talked about in my area, and I don't know if people remember this, but there was an American who was in... Uh, gosh, I want to say it was a country in Asia who threw his gum on the street and had to get publicly lashed. Do you remember mm. that? It was yeah. like this very it became this big story because in we we had this judgment about how they handled things and how things were different but there are some very serious you know consequences in certain regimes for things that yeah she made a mistake but you know, I don't think there's a lot of listeners out there who don't know people who have a vape pen or who smoke weed occasionally and drug possession sounds pretty serious, but when you just say she had a vape pen in her bag, I think a lot of people would say, "Oh, I, you know, that's not that difficult to accidentally forget." Um, you know, there's a reporter that would say that said, "You know, she'd be very careful in talking about her case because there are those who have extre- have complained about extreme mistreatment in Russian custody that um There are some real consequences to not only, you know, being caught, but what happens to you during the time that they decide exactly how they want to handle your case. And that's what worries me a lot about this is just, it's really concerning that we didn't know about this for several weeks. And now that we do, does it make it worse if there is, you know, it's good to hear that it's not getting a lot of of uh, uh, content over there, but will that change?
0: Yeah, it's. The, the layers to this that ultimately, like at the end of the day, shouldn't we, we be worried primarily about her safety? No matter how right. we got to where we are, like we got to be worried about making sure that she's safe and that the treatment is humane and that she survives this. And that, that's a dark thing to say, but that's real in this whole process of making sure that she's okay.
1: And I do think coming back to the sports side of it, this is going to accelerate conversations about, you know, players needing to go abroad. Uh, you know and that's not the most important thing but that's certainly going to accelerate the fears of those who don't want to have to make that choice espn rate is presented by progressive insurance drivers who switch and save with progressive save over 700 dollars on average nfl free agent tag window ends tomorrow who's in the market to get tagged we'll talk about it next
0: after a wild week in indianapolis The scouting combine has come to an end. It's been a crazy day in NFL news here. As you heard in the sports center update, Calvin Ridley suspended for a year and we've got the franchise tag. There's so much going on, Sarah. I just have to say though quickly, the ACM awards have started and Dolly Parton looks like a goddess. I mean, I, I I have never seen, I mean, it is like this mirror jumpsuit thing that is just, I mean, divine. I mean, kudos to you, Dolly Parton. Absolute legend. Uh, in the meantime, Spain and Fitz brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, were presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, before the show started, we had the opportunity to catch up with our buddy Field Yates and a special guest star as a
1: field, you know, he's on
0: he's on baby duty. So uh, he, he took, he carved a little time out. Special
1: guest, joined him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he gave us a little insight on everything we should expect. Check it out. Let's get some insight on all things NFL in a wild few days Wild day particularly with ESPN NFL insider field Yates joining us co-host of the Fantasy Football Podcast, wherever you get your podcast field. Let's start with the big story today. What was your reaction to the Calvin Ridley news?
5: Yeah, I would say somewhere in between like complete disbelief and utter shock, right? I mean, I don't think any of us had any idea that Calvin Ridley was involved in something like this, and he's the most notable player we've had in I mean maybe ever, if not, you know, close to fifty years in a scandal involving gambling on the sports. So A complete and utter shock, certainly, with Calvin Ridley, who we thought there was a chance he'd be in the news in some way this offseason, whether it was a trade from the Atlanta Falcons or an extension with the Falcons. I did not expect it to be because he was going to be suspended for at least the 2022 season. So a major, major story in the NFL this afternoon.
1: Field, we uh, we saw a lot of uh, records and uh, interesting takeaways from the combine. What was the biggest takeaway for you?
5: Um, I would say probably a couple of things here. one is that like this quarterback class still not going to be one that I think really dramatically moves the needle for a bunch of teams in particular. And I think beyond that is that that Georgia defense this past year was exceptional and there's no two ways about that. I thought that they played really well. They obviously tested really well. Sorry, I got a baby here in the background. That's life for you. Uh, but I thought that that Georgia defense kind of stole the show. Speed was obviously one of the themes from this past week in Indy, but Georgia shows you that these guys are more than just straight line runners, right? Jordan Davis, unbelievable weekend for him. And I think that ultimately the combine is always a reminder that it's not just about what you can do in the athletic testing metrics. It's also about what you can do on film, but sometimes it helps you confirm what you believe about a player already. And other times it helps you go back and check that I under evaluate this player, over evaluate this player because I did not put enough stock into his physical gifts and his physical measurements. So, I've had a good week in Indy, and I really hope the event is back there in years going forward because they do an amazing job hosting everybody, and it's really the ideal city for a lot of events, the Combine being no exception.
0: I mean, I'm glad you clarified, Field, that that was a baby, because Sarah and I are yeah. used to our dogs barking during the show. We had no idea. Your, your dog sounded very funny compared yeah. to what we're used to. That's a, that's Listen,
1: a baby had something to say about the combine.
0: Oh, yeah, that, there's no doubt yeah, about that. Never
5: doubt. a dull moment, right? I mean, you got a <laughs> uh, six-and-a-half-week-old baby every day. It's a little bit of an adventure here.
0: Oh, man, that's it. Well, and it's all good. We appreciate you joining us through that. Uh, let me ask you, did anybody in your mind just skyrocket up the board uh, as a result of their indie performance?
5: No, I, I don't know that anybody this weekend totally changed my opinion of them because I've seen enough instances that go both ways where, you know, a guy dominates the Combine and he's better than I realized, or a guy dominates the Combine and he just turns out to be a Combine warrior. So I would say that more than anything, it confirms some of my suspicions. I think that. Uh, I think I mentioned a moment ago, Jordan Davis is going to be the name that we attach to this combine most going forward. But there are still some questions about how many snaps he's going to play in the defense, given that at 340 pounds, are you going to be able to count on him to play 80 or 70, even 70% of your snaps? You know, you think about guys on the defensive line, like and Sue as a defensive tackle, and Aaron Donald who play so many snaps. Like, that shouldn't be overlooked simply because of the fact that they're really good players. You know, Donald being the best maybe all-around player and certainly the best defensive player in the NFL right now. But if you have a first-round pick, sort of just take away the position and take away where you're picking, are you willing to use from the first 32 picks in the draft on a guy that might play 50% of the snaps? Or could you address a lesser need where you could potentially have a guy that's going to play 100% of the snaps? So I think that um, Jordan Davis would be the name that we talk about the most and one of the names that I'm going to go back and further study to see if there's more to his game or less to his game than numbers suggest, uh, the testing numbers. But uh, really intriguing player. They certainly don't make too many like him.
1: It's Field Yates joining us here on Spain and Fitz. There's Spain, Jason Fitz. Field, we, we found out the salary cap for the season today, $208.2 million. Uh, does this make a difference as teams are making – their decision uh, or was the estimate close enough that this doesn't swing anything too wildly in either direction?
5: Yeah, several months ago, Sarah, the NFL let teams know that the maximum salary cap they were going to have for this year was 208.2 million. And that they were expecting it to be that number, which is good. It's hit that mark. I think that it's uh, a parameter. I think teams have been planning on this. I don't know that it changes things dramatically, uh, I think where things get interesting is just how many teams follow what we know the Packers are going to have to do. And a couple other teams like the Saints and the Eagles that have always done this is knowing that a cap spike is coming next year, where the 2023 salary cap could be 235 or 240 million. And obviously in 2021, we saw a cap decrease, but prior to that, the cap was going up by like 10 million a year. If it goes up by like thirty million next year, teams can be very strategic this year and say, you know what? Hey, if, if we wanna be patient, like, you know, we can sign someone this year, we kind of reduce the cap space or the cap charge to a very, very low number, and you have an opportunity to take advantage of twenty twenty three when the cap could be way up. So I don't think there's any major ramifications from this past year, but to keep an eye up for this year, I should say. But uh, I think teams appreciate the clarity. It certainly allows them to uh, plan more accordingly.
0: We're talking to Field Yates on Spain and Fitz there, Spain, Jason Fitz. Aaron Rodgers, change, altering the market with the contract offer from Green Bay. What's it mean for his future?
5: I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm sort of out of the business of trying to figure out what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and following and Amen. Um, you know, it's it's his decision uh, here's the deal, is that Rodgers was never, if he does come back to Green Bay, it was never going to happen on the current deal, right? And it's pretty rare, and there have been a couple of exceptions, but very rare exceptions where a top-of-the-line quarterback signs a deal, and it's less than what previously top-signed quarterbacks got, right? So if you go from, it's not like Aaron Rodgers is going to go, I don't know, $37 million a year, right? Like, he's better than guys that are making... You know, or, or or are going to make forty or forty-two million dollars per year. So, I think that Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, market. Alter, I don't know specifically what that means. I'll just say this: is that um, Aaron Rodgers can make the timeline whenever he wants, or makes the decision on any timeline he wants. As both a fan of football and a reporter, um, I wouldn't mind if clarity came sooner rather than later. But that's not my decision. So, if he makes it tomorrow, great. If he makes it July fifteenth. It's also his prerogative, and at turn, when you're the two-time, or I should say the defending MVP and a four-time MVP winner, so um, I, I would think Aaron Rodgers will want to have his own decision made by the start of the league year, which is next Wednesday, um, but I could be wrong. We'll see.
1: Field, not just specific to Aaron Rodgers, but uh, the rest of the league, what are you hearing about tomorrow's franchise tag deadline? Um, Where Obviously, that could motivate some people to make decisions.
5: Yeah, I think the big names, uh, a couple of the dominoes have already fallen. We know that officially today, David Njoku, uh, plus Jesse Bates of the Bengals, plus Carolina Brown Jr. of the Chiefs have been franchise tagged. I think tomorrow we'll see some more sort of obvious candidates. Mike Kosicki for the Dolphins is a name to watch out for. Dalton Schultz, a name for Dallas Cowboys to keep an eye on. I think it will probably be more interesting will be the names that may or may not get tagged. Whether J.C. Jackson in New England gets tagged, I doubt he will. Uh, whether we see, uh, as an example, the Saints use it on the on safety Marcus Williams for the second straight year, I doubt they will. Chandler Jones in Arizona, I highly doubt they will as well. Um, so I think it's really interesting. Mike Williams in, in Los Angeles, wide receiver, I right? think there's a chance he will. Um, but I, th- I, th- I should say I think they will. But we'll see whether or not uh, a couple names surprise and don't get the tag and all of a sudden have a very clear path to free agency.
0: You guys can follow him on Twitter, at Field Yates. Field, as always, my friend, we enjoy you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us.
5: I appreciate you guys very much. Have a great rest of your day.
0: Field, always doing great work. Alright, we've got some NBA action to get into. It's a big night, and we've had some huge scoring explosions over the weekend, so who's going to step up next? We'll tell you. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
1: Fitz's old country music friends all hanging out at the Va- Raider Stadium for ACMs tonight, and you're just hanging out with me. Bold life well, that's choices you made.
0: For me. <laughs> that's a win. No, that's a win for me. As many times as I played the ACMs, it's old. Oh happy yeah, and around it. it's old
1: news, old mm. news. It's kind of it's- like
0: you didn't ask for this, but can I tell you the quickest story ever? Yeah. With the ACMs, uh, so there was a we, we did a song called "Done" uh, one time, and as we went out and did it, like confetti dropped at the end of the song which is a great idea until you realize that we were the opening song of the whole award show and the confetti fell over the first two or three rows which oh, no. is where like carrie underwood and eric church and everybody were sitting so all these people that had just had thousands of dollars worth of hair and makeup and mm-hmm. outfits perfectly done got yep. confetti dumped all over their heads in the, in the first song
1: picking that, that out of your cleavage <laughs> all night that's no good <laughs> yeah
0: is this me there
1: problem you, you never had that problem all not, right. Well, yeah not much. No. Maybe no. in the hair gel. In the hair yeah. gel. Yeah. Uh, that, that, now there we got, now we got it. <laughs> Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Over the weekend, we saw some dudes in the NBA go off. Jason Tatum, 54, in the Celtics' win over the Nets. LeBron had 56 in a win over the Warriors on Saturday. We saw Jokic put up 30 in just the fourth and overtime for the Nuggets. So a couple guys that really had huge games this week. And it had me wondering, Fitz, is there any chance a couple of those guys, you got the defending MVP, you got the king, you've got Tatum, who is a young up-and-coming superstar that maybe people aren't talking about enough as the next generation of the big you know, the big superstars, maybe are they all thinking maybe a little too much shine for Ja Morant, a little bit too much talk about Memphis and Ja bring back the focus to the old heads, or at least in the case of uh, Tatum, give a little shine to another young superstar.
0: I mean, I love this concept and I will say this, if there's anything we know about NBA players, there's a level of petty when it comes to competitiveness from one to the next that feels like, you know, that there's, that's enough of a little push to be like, hey, I can do this too, you know, and, right. and I keep looking at that thinking, maybe there is this moment of like, Hey, just a reminder, as much as we all love Ja, I'm still crushing it because it feels like right. individual performances are the theme of the, the, the league right now
1: yeah that's what's drawing the attention in fact we know for sure that that's one of the things that jason tatum had on his mind was what's everybody else up to and let me prove i could do it too he was on kj and max this morning and said he wanted to outdo lebron flat out
4: saturday night i watched the lakers play and i seen lebron score 56 and obviously he is the highest standard right you know him and him and mj but you know I, i watched that game and i think the best players we watch each other play. We see what guys are doing in the league. And to be one of the best, you notice things like that, and you almost try to outdo them. And I think that's the approach that I take. And that mentality I took the yesterday's game is, you know, I just remember I watched LeBron play the night before.
1: Yeah, he was watching. He was paying attention. So I'm wondering as we look at tonight's slate of games, And we put this up on social, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. After watching LeBron and Jokic and Tatum go off this weekend, which player in the slate of games tonight is most likely to continue that run with a big night? I'm thinking we got Embiid and DeRozan facing off. You got Doncic. You got Mitchell. You got Steph. Maybe somebody else. The games tonight are Bulls-Philly, which is at the half, Atlanta-Detroit, Houston-Miami, Portland, Minnesota, Utah, Dallas, Lakers without LeBron and San Antonio, Golden State, Denver, and the Knicks versus the Kings. Woof. Uh, So who among those, those games do you think has the best likelihood of going off?
0: I think Jokic goes off again. And I know that's an again versus somebody different, but when you look at the way Jokic played in the last game, doing historic things that have never been done with this stat line, and then you put him up against a Warriors team that with no Draymond has just been lost offensively of late. Like, it just feels like there's a matchup issue there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so it just feels easy that not easy, but it feels like Jokic has such a matchup advantage and they're going to need him to go off so hard. It just that one to me seems like it's right down the middle of the runway. Easy, easy pick.
1: I was wondering maybe about Embiid. He's got 19 at the half, certainly could go off for a lot more in the second. Uh, but without Vucevic in the lineup for the Bulls, Tristan Thompson has the unenviable task of trying to slow down the front runner for the MVP. DeRozan keeping up, 15 at the half. But, um, yeah, you know, I've been... Harping on this for a while now, Fitz, and we heard today that Caruso's getting another look to see if he can get cleared and come back, but without Caruso and Ball, it changes the dynamic of the Bulls so much, and it puts so much pressure on the bigs that they do have to cover in a different way Whereas when you've got Ball and Caruso disrupting on the perimeter, they don't let teams get into that half-court set as easily, and they could better sort of at least neutralize these superstar bigs. Uh, the Bulls have lost four in a row. This is a tough game for them to come into uh, on that bad streak, and I've been impressed so far just watching while we're hosting here uh, with the way they've been able to keep Embiid from being completely dominant, but that's just at the half. So uh, he could still go up, but I think Jokic is a pretty good call. I also think... You know, Doncic, as the Mavs take on a Jazz team that's one win ahead of them, like you could get up for that kind of competition and go off too.
0: Uh, That's a good call on that one. Like one thing I didn't think about was the the necessity of the game, right? Like because they are so tightly compacted in the standings, the opportunity for Luka to go off just feels like it's it's real. You know, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and sometimes I find myself victim to just – even forgetting about Luca's not not forgetting about his greatness, but almost taking it for granted already. Mm-hmm. Like you just, I look when I look at the schedule, I'm thinking who's going to go off, who's going to go off, and, and Lucas should be on my mind more than he is. It's it's interesting when you think about the the slate of games that we have and the fact that the Lakers aren't even in the conversation because they've just. It's a reminder they're a shell of themselves at this point. Right. Like well, I, I actually, I I, I kind of feel bad at this point for where they are.
1: I guess we should have mentioned that, you know, Russ could be like, hey, listen, LeBron's out tonight. We really need a W. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, put the cape on. uh, Yeah, no, no. uh,
0: You know, uh, every time I I think. Did you hear,
1: by the way, that Russell Westbrook has been playing so poorly that even Magic Johnson had a take. Like Magic Johnson, whose take is usually whichever team scores more points than the other will win, went off on Russ. And now we should have (laughs) showed up knowing, you know, that this is a win this is a winning town. When you put on the purple and gold, like you got to, like I've never heard magic be so, frankly, uh, right. I guess and also honest.
0: Well, uh, yeah, it's uh, if you've got magic fired up, then you've done your job, I guess. Right. I, I, I'm, right not sure. no. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it gets that. how it gets saved at this point. And it's it's just a reminder of how different the season is now versus what we thought it would be. Like I, I'm trying to figure out how to give. The right amount of weight to the way Philly looks so far. How to give the right amount of weight to your point to uh, what Chicago has been through, like the early Chicago versus this Chicago. Who's going to look right when they're healthy? And, and you know, mm-hmm. as Philly continues through this season, do they do they bring it all together in the playoffs and Harden and remembers how to basketball all the way through? Like, there's so much benefit of the doubt that you could or could not give every team that yep, it, makes it makes trying makes it to so figure tough. it out every night wild yep. right now.
1: Couple random Sixers notes. Embiid's, uh 39th half this season with 15 points and five rebounds. Only Giannis has more with 40. And then James Harden had a three pointer today. So that's 25 60 for his queries. Tied Reggie Miller for the third most threes in NBA history. Coming up, Buster, only going to join us to talk about it if we're any closer to seeing some baseball.
0: Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM channel lady Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. While you're listening to us, just load up the Amazon Prime and put on the ACM awards in the background. Just support my buddies. That's why we're playing so much gonna country say, music. I going to say, are we going to
1: play country music every night this week or just. No, tonight? no, it's just
0: tonight. It's just tonight, <laughs> just for the ACM. I like some Vegas. of it. I'm
1: not being a hater, I like some no. of it.
0: No, well, Sarah's always, it's too you know, twangy for me. I, I will say from the first day we ever worked together, Sarah's never made me feel like I have to defend my country music background. No. She's never nope. been anything other than, so like country music fans get out of her men. She's like, she's Another a, manchies. she's a wild supporter of all the music things that I, if it mentions uh, a tractor, it
1: might not be my jam, but I uh, like a lot of it. That one's not my <laughs> jam either. Uh,
0: always my jam. Buster Only ESPN Major League Baseball Insider, host of the Baseball Tonight podcast, wherever you get your podcast, joining us now. Buster Appreciate your time, man. And, and, you know, obviously everybody's asking you the same questions, but I'll start where everybody starts. What's the latest in negotiations?
3: Uh, they're in an absolute standstill. Um, you know, we've gotten to the point now where, you know, my conversations with players, with front office executives is is comparing, okay, which day was worse for baseball? Was oh, it the boy. dueling mm-hmm. press conferences or was it Sunday uh, that, uh, you know, reflected the fact that there's, uh, there's basically no movement right now and meanwhile, you know, the clock is ticking away, and it certainly does not feel like the urgency matches the moment. And when you look at where baseball is cast against the context of what's going on in this world, they all look really small.
1: Let's talk about what we heard from, uh, from the Yankees' side of things today. Is there any way to not view that as the very richest of all of them trying to sell us on there just not being enough money?
3: <laughs> yeah, Randy Levine you know the team president coming out and look he used to you know at one point head up negotiations uh for the owners you know back in the 90s and now he's the team president of the Yankees I, I think that you know when uh, Randy Levine or other executives go out there I think it's try to put pressure on the players uh, I think what would really be a lot more helpful is um you know in response to this uh, you know, this proposal that the players put forward yesterday, which really didn't move the ball down the field at all. I, I mean, it really is the owners, because they have taken so much of the financial landscape, because they wiped out the players in the 16 negotiations, they need to be the ones to step forward. And so all the rhetoric, you know, Randy Levine talking today, uh, you know, the the statement from the the MLB spokesman yesterday in response to the to the players' offer, which was really disappointing. Um, I mean, it's all, at this moment, it feels like it feels worthless. And you guys, you see the text I get from people who aren't involved in these negotiations. They're shocked that the sport is in this position where it's just, it seems stuck in the mud.
0: You mentioned some of the rhetoric. I mean, we heard today that the MLBPA even went backwards, according to Glenn Kaplan. How much truth is there from what you understand to that?
3: I, I, I don't know if they actually went backwards. I think they at it, it best they, they didn't move. Um, and I was surprised because i got to tell you, last Friday I was hearing stuff from the player side about how, you know what, we're going to put a 14-team uh, you know, postseason field in front of the owners and then you know, maybe that'll you know, draw their interest and maybe that'll draw them uh, out into more of a middle ground. And then when you actually saw the proposal on Sunday, they didn't move at all. And, and, and think about this. You know, they had those dueling press conferences on Tuesday in which Rob Manfred looked so ridiculous and came off those so, uh, so thin skin. Five days passed. And what we got, the next proposal, which was forwarded, it was from the players, the owners, and, and it didn't move at all. As they mm. say, uh, you know, they're probably on, uh, on, you know, in the leadership groups on both sides. They're people making arguments for why they should handle negotiations these, this way. Uh, below them, players front office people are losing their minds at the incrementalism that have taken over these talks.
1: Buster Olney is talking to us about the latest in the MLB lock, and I saw you tweeting about how it's always difficult in any sport, of course. The owners have so much longer of a time that they can sort of sit on their hands because their careers are longer, their money is, is bigger, all of that, but also because the negotiations so often are for the uh, the next generation, and specifically in this, so many of what they're trying to change is to affect the middle class, but the middle class might be the ones that get hit the hardest by this as they as they wait for this lockout to end.
3: Sarah, they're going to get destroyed. Uh, the, the middle class, whenever this ends— It's going to be the middle class among the players uh, that pay for this. You know, the the system that the the player association, you know, believes in in principle is a capitalist system, uh, you know, which allows the the likes of, of, uh, you know, Max Scherzer, Francisco Lindor, to get these huge contracts. And in this negotiation, you know, they're trying to push the minimum salaries for younger players. Well, it's the middle class among the players that have taken the biggest hits over the last seven or eight years. In 2014, the average middle-class free agent contract—the uh, value was 11.8 million. Last winter, it was down to 6.2 million. There are nearly—excuse uh, you know, there are more than 200 unsigned free agents. And so, let's say this goes on another two months. You know, they're going to be small-market owners who say, "Hey, that budget we talked about—forget it. We're going to reduce mm. it by X percentage because we haven't had fans in the stands. We've seen reduced revenue." Who's going to pay for that? Right. It's All these journeyman free agents who don't have contracts, who instead of getting, you know, the and I'm, uh, people are not going to feel sorry for a player making this sort of salary, but you know, th- instead of getting three million, they might get a million bucks. They're going to get crushed, hmm. and that is uh, a reality that uh, is acknowledged by, uh, you know, agents I talk to all the time.
0: So, Buster, Carl Ravitch yesterday tweeted, it's becoming increasingly apparent we may not have a Major League Baseball season in 2022. That wasn't all of the tweet, but that's the crux of it. How concerned are you that that's a reality? It's it's very
3: concerning uh, because as we sit here today, I can't tell you the leader uh, in a sport that really lacks them right now uh, or the mechanism that's going to get you know these two sides to move forward. Uh, you know, I... I it, 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 you, you keep on waiting. Like in 1995, uh, the owners put forward a, a plan to have replacement players. The players uh, refer to them as scabs. The teams uh, – and Peter Angelos, who was the owner uh, of the Orioles and is still the owner of the Orioles, he refused to go along with that plan because he wanted to protect Cal Ripken's consecutive game streak. He stood out, you know. He, he wasn't just going to go along with the flock. Uh, and, and you do wonder, and, and, I, and I felt like at that time that absolutely contributed to the owners eventually relenting, uh, you know, two months later and baseball actually getting started. At this stage, leaders are needed. Like you need someone, especially in management side, to step out and, and call out where this is. I think it was Fangraph had an article the other day that when you break down the actual differences between the two sides, the value is something in the range of $135 million. If that's accurate, think about that. That's less than half of what Corey Seager got in his free agent contract from the Texas Rangers. That's shutting down the sport in this moment. Uh, I mean, it really is uh, absolute. uh, The the incrementalism that has infected, I think, both sides is devastating to all of them
1: yeah we're talking to Buster only. I was just out in Arizona got back today, and it was interesting to hear you know all of the economy out there is being affected by the fact that people aren't out there for games. I was at uh, Cubs minor League camp, and there were so many elements of this I hadn't thought of from the five or six Cubs players on the 40-man roster who have actually never been in the pros yet, who are missing all of camp. So when the season, if it does start, they'll probably get sent down in favor of players who are working right now in the minor leagues and and have to work their way back up. I mean, it, it has tentacles all over. Health insurance that's tied to concession workers' number of games per month that they work. Um, there are so many people affected by this, and that's you know part of the reason that we keep such a close eye on it. I wonder, Buster, you know, you said they're at a standstill. What should we be watching for this week, or what, what sign might we get that there is any progress?
3: Well, the owners are going to uh, put forth the next proposal, presumably, and they need to be the side, g- given the moment uh, that I described before. They have the greater access to wealth and, and how much uh, ground they've gained. They need to be the ones to, uh, when they make a the next proposal, it, it's a, they need to make a proposal that's meant to solve this. You know to move the two sides mm-hmm. forward I don't have a lot of confidence that that's going to happen uh, you know and again there probably are you know folks behind the scenes you know, Kevin Towers the late great general manager referred to them as propeller heads you know making the you know the financial arguments for why you shouldn't relent here you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do this even if you win this labor war and the owners may win it in the end everybody will lose yeah, Buster, it's, it's one of the reasons.
1: Really
0: yeah, one of the reasons we always love talking to you is your passion for the sport that you cover, man. I'm, we appreciate your insight. I'm really sorry that we don't ever seem to get to just talk to you about baseball happening on the <laughs> field, but really appreciate the expertise you bring to all of these conversations, man. Thanks so much for hanging out with us.
3: Well, I appreciate it, guys. Great to talk with you. Thanks, ESPN brother.
0: Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Call or click today. I mean that like the number of our guys that that cover baseball that are so passionate about baseball that never seem to just get to talk about the baseball that's being played is uh, it's unfortunate. Great work by him. Follow him on Twitter at Buster underscore ESPN to keep up with the latest. In the meantime, a young star in the NFL is getting suspended for at least a year and the dialogue around it is confusing to say the least. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio and the ESPN app.
1: Yeah, the big news today, the NFL suspending Calvin Ridley for at least 2022 season. He was tweeting all day. Uh, he said that he bet $1,500 total, that he doesn't have a gambling problem, kind of scoffed at the idea that he would miss a whole year. Uh, he will be able to try to talk down that suspension, and uh, I think probably tweeting less will help when he does try to do that, Fits. Uh But a lot of takes spawned by this. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We'll get into Calvin Ridley and some of the interesting thoughts that people had that were kind of surprising in reaction to the news that he had been on NFL games. But quickly, wanted to pay off the uh, social asks of you, all the listeners and the Twitter fans here listening to Spain and Fitz. We asked you a couple questions about the NBA play-in tournament. We asked if you remember how you felt about it when it was announced last season. 33.9% 33.9% said they remember and they hated it. 31.7% they remember and they loved it. And 34% of you can't remember. And I don't blame you for that. I can barely remember tomorrow. Nah,
0: 34% of you are
1: lying because you don't want to admit you were wrong. Right, that's right. Uh, but we also followed up with if the regular season ended today, the play and tourney would include Kyrie. Durant, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Westbrook, Trey Young, technically Zion, if he was available. Uh, does that make you change your mind about the play in turn?y 54.8% said no. 8.8% said yes. And 36.3% said they were already in. They already liked it. Uh, but a lot of folks did chime in and say that they think it waters down the competition, that they never wanted, it and they still don't like it. So jury's still out a little bit on the play in We also asked you... Uh, who might go off tonight to continue the streak of, of Jokic Tatum and LeBron having huge games this weekend. Um, someone wanted Murray to have a career night. Uh, someone said, since Steph stayed home, maybe pool. I don't know about that one. Uh, and then, uh, someone just hated on us for not mentioning the suns, even though no one from the suns had a 45 plus point winning game and they're not playing tonight. Uh, so thank you for that input. <laughs> Very helpful. Uh, and, uh, as the Philadelphia 76ers are pulling away from my bulls without uh, Vooch in the middle there, uh, there is still a chance that it could be Embiid, but uh, I think it might be one of the later games tonight, Fitz. You
0: know, Sarah, I'll never forget the first time I got a tweet uh, recently, and it uh, I, I tweeted something about music, and somebody told me to stick to sports, and I thought, you know what, I've really made it <laughs> when I'm now getting stick you to have. sports. You have. Hey, listen, it's like being music, a but, woman who yeah, gets exactly. stick to
1: sports instead of uh, stick to the kitchen. It's like I, I, I made I feel it.
0: Like I, I will have made it though when I get the level of just absolute attempts at calling out anything that's ever said that you get on. Like it's amazing that I feel like you and I could stand in front of this microphone say the exact same thing. Thing I'll get three tweets that are like "love your style" and you'll get three hundred and fifty-two tweets that are like "you're the worst, go to hell." Die. Like it's crazy. It's crazy.
1: Uh, Yeah, you know what? Hate me, love me, just don't ignore me, I guess, most of the time. Uh, It's Spain and Fitz. Uh, We were talking about Calvin Ridley to shart the the show. Wow. (laughs) I don't know what's happening over by you, Fitz. We are in different places, (laughs) and I did not mean to let you know that I sharted the show. Oh, Some Devin, extraordinaire
0: producer extraordinaire, clip that off, please for the love of God. We just no. need No Listen, need that. I
1: drank a lot on vacation, okay? Leave me alone.
0: That's
2: good. Had be a, a lot rejoin. of Mexican
1: food. That is uh, <laughs> uh Let's let Harry Douglas uh say something about Calvin Ridley.
2: I thought it was immature, and for a guy who didn't play the entire season for the Atlanta Falcons, these, these kind of mistakes you just don't make because you know the ins and outs, you know the do's and don'ts. There's a guy by the name of Pete Rose who is not in the Hall of Fame because of situations like this. Mm. That's the one person you would probably even need to – that's all you need to know about when it comes to betting on a sport that you're playing professionally. But when it comes to Calvin Ridley, listen, unbelievable talent on the football field can beat you with short, intermediate, deep threat, the whole nine. But decisions like this derail careers. And a guy who's so talented, you just don't want to see him make mistakes like this. And I got something, Chris, how the hell do you get fired on your day off? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he nailed the dismount there. Uh, but his point is the, is the main one for me. First, empathy, sadness that he loses an $11 million year of, mm. his, of his career, especially after missing so much time uh, stepping away with mental health issues. But also, this is day one stuff. There is not uh, something more well-known than than that you can't gamble on the sport you're playing, whether you're sitting out or not.
0: Yeah, and the thought that everything in his career gets paused right now, which I think is important context here, like, let's remember that uh, as of a couple of days ago, a lot of people thought that he was going to be traded. So right. there was enough chatter about moving him that there was a thought that he would end up somewhere else this year. So now, a year from now, there'll be chatter about what to do with the wide receiver that you know, that that was on the trade block that's now a year later that maybe is healthy, but also maybe is rusty and maybe has issues, maybe doesn't have issues. Like, there's going to be a lot of vetting now, no matter what, that's going to happen around Calvin Ridley, and that's of his own doing. So what happens to his career from here, even if he's reinstated in a year, becomes particularly complicated. And let's also layer into that the fact that wide receivers coming out of college are getting better and better and better in every class. So, You know, is this something that changes the entire trajectory of his career? It very well could be.
1: It absolutely could. And there are a lot of tentacles on this conversation that include that when you get in bed with the gambling industry as a sport, the microscope is, 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 is so hot and you can expect some of these things to happen. And that's why some of these... Things were in place. That's in fact how they found out that Calvin Ridley had made this bet or these bets was that they have the partners that they work with looking into that stuff and flagging it if something shows up. But it does make you question why the punishment for domestic abusers, child abusers, criminals is not as 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 strong, even though that's apples to oranges. It does make you question the larger conversations about tanking and other things like that. As somebody tweeted out at... J-U-M-O-S-Q, an all-pro player is suspended for a year for using the app that sponsors the Dolphin Stadium, whose owner is accused of paying their former head coach to throw games. The writers this season really stepped it up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's fair. I mean, there's a lot of tentacles here. It's just that Fitz, they are not all really related you can have a larger conversation about whether you think there is any moral high ground for the NFL ever full stop. You can have a conversation about whether they can try to control the gambling industry and are naive to think that it will not result in situations like this. You can even talk about whether or not we should change and fight for better and more appropriate punishments for other things. But there's a lot of apples and oranges conversation going on here.
0: Yeah, well, and and I'm a big believer that if the we're at the beginning, not the end of the Dolphins process for, for their attempt right. to convince people uh, to pay people to lose games. If, if that's true and, and they have evidence of it, one thing to note is that they have evidence of gambling. If they have evidence in an owner through games, I, I, I would be stunned if he's not forced to sell the team right. and he should be forced to sell the team. So I think we're just at the beginning of that process. We need to understand that these are all at different stages in their punitive process as well.
1: Don't forget to tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. They had a great episode today, diving deep into maximizing the interest of the regular season and not at the expense of the playoffs. I bet you they will have Calvin Ridley and Stephen Ross and all that other talk in the coming episodes, so check it out.